this morning. He's worthy. He's oh so worthy. It is certainly good to be here this morning. We all could be somewhere else. As the old folk used to say, we could be dead sleeping in our grave. But God saw fit to bring us out here once again. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look again into the book of John, the fifth chapter. I love the book of John because the book of John depicts Jesus as being God. It shows him in the first chapter as being the word that was in the beginning, before the beginning began. He goes on in chapter number two and you see some miracles that take place. Just to bring you up to speed, there was a miracle at Canaan where Jesus turned water into wine. They had ran out of wine and so they had become to, to a desperate situation. They needed this wine. And so Jesus performs his first miracle in Canaan. Chapter three, he has a discussion with a man named Nicodemus at nighttime. And he tells Nicodemus, what he needed to do to enter eternal life. He told him what he must do to be saved. Once again, an act of desperation on man's part. In chapter four, he deals with a woman at the well. And he tells her all about herself. He gives her her complete history. And she leaves Jesus and goes back and tells the people in her village. And they all come to Jesus an act of compassion because in that we see what true worship really is about. Jesus explains what true worship is really about. And then towards the end of the chapter, in chapter number four, he runs into this noble man who has a son that is sick and on his deathbed. He confronts Jesus and he asks Jesus to come and to heal his son. The man is desperate. And so Jesus tells him, go home, your son is healed. And just like Jesus had spoken as he was on his way home, the servant came to him. And he said, your son is alive and well. And he asked him, he said, he said, at what time was it? He said, the same hour that Jesus had told him that it was going to be done. The point here is that, that God shows up in our most desperate moments. God knows when we need him the most. And he'll never let you down. He'll never forsake you. In John's Gospel, the fifth chapter, beginning at verse number one, we see another desperate type situation here. Beginning at verse number one, it reads, after these, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda having five porches. In these laid a great multitude of impotent folk of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water for the angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole 
of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lie, he knew that he had been now a long time in that case. And he said unto them, will thou be made whole? An impotent man answered him saying, sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said unto him, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And the same day was the Sabbath. If you skip down to verse number 14. Afterwards, Jesus findeth the man in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. From this passage of scripture, I'd like to take for a text, a message, a title, From Hopelessness to Wholeness. From Hopelessness to Wholeness. All of us have at one time or another experienced a sense of hopelessness. Hopelessness can be defined as being in despair. Uh, it is uh, not expecting anything positive to happen in our lives. It's a place where there's no room for hope to exist. Usually this is a time in which we're going through some type of great trial or tribulation. We find ourselves under the weight of the pressures of life. But understand that, 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 that homeless people and poor people are not the only ones that are hopeless. Everybody can experience hopelessness. And I don't know about you, but I... I've experienced hopelessness. And the reason why I've experienced hopelessness is because I got some issues. I got some problems. And I dare not tell you my issues or my problems because I'm afraid you'll judge me. I'm afraid you'll talk about me. And so a lot of my issues I keep to myself. And it's between me and the Lord. Because I don't want you to judge me. I've come too far for you to judge me and to put me out of here. So I keep them between me and God. But I've got my problems. I've got my issues. I know that there's some things that I, that I think in my mind that I want to say and I want to do. I just don't do it. But it's still nevertheless an issue. Because it's in my heart. And so I struggle just like most of, not all of you. Because if you have not experienced this sense of hopelessness, you're in a very select group of people. Because that tells me that you really don't have any issues. But God is still working on me. He's still getting me right. I'm not completely whole yet. Yeah. 
There is a sanctifying process that is taking place in my life. But I thank God that he still got his hands on me. Even with all of my issues, all of my problems, all of my situations, all of my setbacks, all my disappointments, God still has his hands on me. And you can rest assured that God has his hands on you as well. There's some things that God is trying to fix in your life. And what he's asking you to do is just trust him. Have faith in him. And he'll fix your situation. In this text, we see that Jesus has left Galilee and he's come back to Jerusalem for a feast. And I don't know which feast this is, but one thing I do know is that, that the Jewish community, they show partied a lot. There was a lot of feasts that were taking place. And so they're back here for this feast. And it says that, that, that Jesus went in through the sheep gate. Now understand the temple was made up of, of a place uh, where they brought in the sheep. And this was known as the sheep gate. The sheep were there for a sacrifice. They would bring their sheep there. They, you could even buy sheep in this sheep gate area. But in this area, there was a pool that was set. And around this pool were five porches where people would come and recline. You would think that this is a wonderful and beautiful situation. A place where there's this big, wonderful pool and people are just lounging around. But understand, the Bible said that this wasn't that type of lounge. For it said that this place was filled with people who had an infirmity. They had infirmities. They were impotent. They were feeble. They were without strength. They had no power. They were folk that most of us will step over and go on about our business. These are folk that needed the love of God in their lives. He goes on to say that they, 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 these people had, had, had different uh, um, affirmities. The first one, he said that they had blindness. Now, the Greek word here for blindness actually means to be physically blind, but it also means to be mentally blind. And understand that there are some folk in here today that may not be blind physically, but Satan has blinded the minds of individuals to where they cannot see the goodness of God. And that's what Satan has come to do. He's come to blind your mind. He, 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 he don't mind you not seeing physically. But if he can keep you separated from God by putting a blind over your mind. You see, because when you have a blind over your mind, you feel like I'm okay. Everything is fine with me. You, 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 you can see the fault in everybody else. But, but can you see the reality of where you are in Christ Jesus? How, how, how are you living in Christ Jesus? You, you, you can see the point the finger at other folk. But what about pointing the finger at self? 
Realizing that, God, there's still some work that you need to do on me. You need to, look, God, fix me. While, while I'm praying that God will fix you and get you right, I need to be praying, God, fix me, get me right. Listen, if all of us would do that, oh, what a great church we would have. If we would just stop pointing fingers at one another and start saying, God, fix me, get me right. You see, because until you get right, you can't be a blessing to nobody. You can't even bless yourself. The, 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 the second one is that he talked about them having uh, people of a heart. These are people who are lame. They're, 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 they're lame in a literal sense. But, but when we talk about being lame, we're talking about being immobile. And that's what's going on with some of us, is that we've been immobile. We're not moving, we're not progressing in God. We become stagnant in our praise. We become stagnant in our prayer life. And God wants to heal us of that. He wants, to put some, he wants to put some fire down in you. Because the church will never grow if we become stagnant. If we become standstill Christians. God is always progressing. And much in the same way, his church must always progress. Because anytime something becomes stagnant, it begins to stink. Lame. God wants to move. He wants us to go. That's what he tells us. He says to go. He wants to move in us. And then there was the withered. The Greek word for this word withered actually means they were dry. It's a limb that has been devoid of any type of natural uh, water or, or, or moisture. It becomes dry and it begins to wither. And much of the same way in our lives. If you're not careful, you're not getting the water of God's word, you'll become dry. And anything that was without water will soon die. And that's why it's important, it's critical that we give you the water of God's word that you might be filled to the full. You may be able to work properly. It says that this, these porches were filled with these people. If you look at this place, it's a hopeless situation. These people are coming expecting something from the Lord. Because tradition has told them that an angel would come down and at some time would trouble the water. And the first one that would get in would be healed of whatever infirmity that they had. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? Sitting around waiting on the water to be troubled. And yet still, still having to deal with their infirmities. Deal with the disappointments. What this really is reflective of, this, this is reflective of a false religion. Because this has all the particles of a false religion. We have to do something in order for God to heal us or to make us whole. 
And understand that there's nothing that you can do that will make you whole in Christ Jesus. There's no works that you can perform. You cannot be good enough to perform anything. So we see this false religion here. of Them trying to do something that only God can do. God is the only one that can heal and make you whole. Yeah, I know you go to your doctors. And doctors are fine. That's a good place to go. But doctors can only confirm what God has already said. God has set a time for each and every last one of us. How long are we going to be here? Our days are numbered of the Lord. And I guarantee you, you won't stay here not one second, one day longer than God says so. But all glory to God, when they try to throw dirt on your, your grave, when they try to tell you got one foot in the grave, but yet still God heals you and gives you even more time. Why? Because God is in control of your life. He's the one. So here we see that these people are sitting around this pool. They're waiting in great anticipation. They're waiting for the troubling of the water. And so here comes Jesus. And he identifies this man. He says, for there's a certain man which had an infirmity for 38 years. That's a long time. That's a long time to deal with a, a situation like this. This man is paralyzed. In other words, he has to depend on other folk to do everything for him. He says it himself. He does not even have the strength to put himself in the pool. And more than likely, he had to depend on some friends or some family to bring him down to the pool. But we see here that even in that, this man had hope, but he had his hope in the wrong place. Much in the same way, we have hope, but we have our hope in the wrong place. We have our hope in in what we can do or what other people can do for us. Some, some, some of us have hope in our, in, our, in our education that is going to take us where we need to go to. So, some of us have hope in our profession, in our jobs, and, and hoping that, that we're going to make enough money to live the rest of our lives happy and joyous. Well, it only takes one cutback at the job in order for that to go out the window. Some of us have hope in loved ones. So God takes them home. And we're left wounded and broken. Some of us even have hope in our children. Some of us try to live vicariously through our children. But understand that your children will soon leave your household. They'll marry somebody else and you'll become maybe third or fourth on their totem pole. Our hope must be in Christ Jesus because we certainly can't find it anywhere else. You cannot find hope in our government. You cannot find hope in some of our churches. 
hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're hopeless, then your hope is in Christ. He's the only one that can give you hope. That's what Jesus said in, 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 in verse number six. He said, when Jesus saw him lie, what you need to understand is that, that regardless of what you're going through, Jesus sees you. He sees your every situation. He sees your every pain, everything that is bothering you. Jesus sees it. As a matter of fact, Jesus is always watching. No matter where you go, how far you try and get away from him, he's always sees and, and watches us. He sees and watches us because he loves us and he cares about us. And he wants to do something supernaturally in your life. He wants to take you from that place of sitting around waiting for hope to stay alive, keep hope alive. But hope ain't never been dead because it's in Christ Jesus. He said, and Jesus seeing, saw him lie and knew that he had been there a long time in that case. And he said unto him, will thou be made whole? Jesus sees him. He sees what he's going through. He sees how long he's been in this situation. And so Jesus asked him a question, will thou be made whole? And I'm sitting back to myself and said, Jesus, how could you ask him this question? For 38 years, this man has been here. 38 years, he's come waiting for the troubling of the water. Quite naturally, you know that he wants to be made whole. But did you not know that, that, that some of us have been going through some stuff so long to where it's become a part of us? As a matter of fact, we will feel lost without the pain that we're going through. I know it don't sound sensible, but it's the truth. Some of us have had an infirmity so long, it's become a part of our everyday life. And we're afraid to let it go. Because we don't know if it's going to be filled, that void is going to be filled. But that's what Christ comes to do. And all you got to do is release it. Let it go. He said, will thou be made whole? You'll be surprised at the people that don't want to really be made whole. Some folk like the attention that they get because of their infirmities, because of their hardships. Some, 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 some people like being sick. And they will conjure up things in their mind of an illness. Simply to get the attention of mankind. Which tell me that there's a deeper sickness that's going on in that individual. It has nothing to do with a physical ailment. It has to do with a, a spiritual vacuum in your life. Because it's God that fills us. Jesus is watching. He said, will thou be made whole? But, 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 but look at this, look at this man, look at this man. This man still goes back to this false religion. He said, he said, the intimate man answered him and said, he said, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Understand that this man really does not know who he's speaking with. Because if he knew who he was speaking to, the doctor of all doctors, the Lord of Lords, 
the lily in the valley, the bright and morning star. He don't know who he's really talking to. He keeps going back to this failed and false religion. You've got that standing in before you right now this morning. Either you can stay in that false religion where you're trying to bless yourself and, and get yourself right, or you can release it and give it unto God. Either wrestle with it or release it. I choose to release it. He goes back, he said, he said, he said I, ha I have no one to help me. And understand that, 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 that when it comes down to it, really, you don't have nobody helping you other than God. It's really been God that's been keeping you all this time. I know you thought you've been keeping yourself, but it's God that's been keeping you. God that's working in you. And it's God that's going to bring you through, that's going to bring you from bro uh, uh, hopelessness to wholeness. That's what he wants to do. This man was without hope. He was discouraged. He had become agitated. Just as I was about to get in, somebody stepped right over me. Perhaps even step on him to get to where they wanted to be at. But listen to what Jesus says. He tells them three things. He says, rise, number one. Take up thy bed and walk. Rise. Take up thy bed and walk. In other words, get up out of your pitiful condition. Why? Because the king of glory is here now. The healer of all nations is here now. Get up, rise. He empowered him to get up and do something about his situation. Listen here, look, look here. Jesus gave him the power, but there was still some work that was done afterwards. In other words, that in, even though we have been saved by grace, there's some work that comes after it. Take up your, wall, your, your bed and walk. Take it up and walk. It's a demonstration of your healing. It's a demonstration that you no longer need the bed anymore. Whereas at one time the bed was carrying you, now you carry the bed. Strengthen his legs. He's able to walk. He said immediately the man was made whole. Not, 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 not sometime down the road. Immediately he got strength. Immediately God had blessed him and gave him strength. And he got up and he walked. And the text tells us that he did this on the Sabbath. And understand that this was going to generate and create a problem for Jesus. Because he had some onlookers, some Pharisees and some Sadducees that were watching for Jesus to make one little mistake. And all of a sudden they see it. They see this man walking and carrying his bed, being obedient unto Jesus. Let me put a pin here. There is sometimes that when Jesus tells you to do something, you're going to have some naysayers. You're going to have some folk that are going to try and find fault in what Jesus has told you to do. But you just do what the Lord told you to do. There are going to be some people that's going to stop you and try to put, stop you in your tracks. But don't you let him keep on going. Keep on doing what God has told you to do. Keep on being obedient to him. And see won't he bless you. These people, yes, they came. 
They asked him, the leader said, why are you carrying your bed? This is the Sabbath. Put that bed down. He said, the man that healed me told me to rise, take my bed and walk. And immediately they want to know, well, who healed you? This man didn't know who healed him. Because Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. Jesus was not trying to get a whole lot of notoriety. He healed this man and was done with it. But he went into the temple to see this man. And as he was walking, he let him know that it was me. It's Jesus Christ that has healed you. In other words, go back and tell the religious leaders who did it. He said, but let me give you this bit of information first. He said, you've been made well. You've been made whole. He said, now go and sin no more. This is critical. He said, let a worse thing come upon you. In other words, you've experienced the goodness of God. You've experienced the healing of God. You've experienced the wholeness of God. Now don't go and get in the same sin that you were in prior to this. Why? Because something worse could happen to you. Something worse can come upon you. Brothers, that's all I stopped by here to tell you that, that you've been whole in Christ Jesus. You've been made whole by the, by, the, by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Don't you go back into that old life of sinning again. Don't go back to those old places you used to go to. Understand that there is a worse thing that can come upon you. But you need to go into new places where God is directing you, where God is taking you. Because you ought to be a witness of the goodness of God and what he's done for you. I tell you, I'm a, I'll always be a witness to God. I can always tell you how God saved my wretched soul. How he saved me from a burning hell. Touched my life one uh, Saturday afternoon. Deacon uh, uh, Hoskins, Reverend Hoskins, I was there when I got saved. At old Macedonia. Standing up in that, in, in, in that balcony. And I don't know, brother, but you, 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 you gave us a, a message. You gave us a message about salvation. And I received Jesus Christ. And my life has never been the same since. Has never been the same since. I've been made whole. And I'll testify to the fact. But I became whole by the work of Christ. What he did on Calvary Day. Over 2,000 years ago, he came down through 42 in generations. He suffered blood and died on the old rugged cross. Yes, he died for your sins. He died for my sins. They nailed him in his hands and they nailed him in his feet. Put a crown of thorns upon his head. Hung him between his, his father in heaven and his mother on earth. Hung him between two thieves. Yes, he died for us. He died for my sins. He died. Took him down off the cross. Put him in a bald man's tomb. Bald tomb. But he, he stayed there Friday and all day Saturday. But Sunday morning, he rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you that I'm whole now. And if you want to be whole, that's all you have to do is receive that. That Jesus died for your sins. You're in a broken condition right now. You are hopeless and helpless. And there's only one hope and one help for you. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have faith in what Christ has done, if you trust in what Christ has done, the Bible declares you are whole in Christ Jesus. 
That's all it takes is to come and to give your life to Christ. The door to the church is open. The door to the church is open. Is there one who will come and surrender your life to the Lord Jesus?